Let's go to James. We're in chapter 4 today. I'm going to read verses 6 through 8. While you're getting there, I have something I want to tell you. God threw this on me this morning, early, early this morning. I need you guys to understand every time that you walk in this church to hear a sermon, doesn't matter whoever preaches it, and really it doesn't matter if it's even in this church, no matter what church that you go to and you step inside and you're about to hear a sermon, I need y'all to understand that whoever that pastor is, hopefully, hopefully, they prepared in a major way. They worked hard at it. They let the Spirit lead. They spent a lot of hours working on this thing. So whatever they're giving you is something that they work hard to put together that God gave them, okay? A lot of times you walk into a service and you've got a lot of things on your mind, right? Like it may be the drive over here. You know, it may be you got in a fight with your spouse that morning. The kids were going crazy and they spilt something in the car, whatever it may be. When you get in here and you sit down, right now in this moment is the time for you to say a little prayer. God, take everything away from me. Let me focus on this sermon today. You should do that constantly. I can remember all the times that I've sat in those seats. That's what I did every single Sunday. God, give me something out of this. Because I don't know how many times, and, and I don't need a show of hands, by the way, but how many times you've walked in here, and you might not have got something out of that sermon that day. But I promise, again, no show of hands, okay? <laughs> Mikey, I see, Mike, I see you. I know what you're trying to do. You already, already, man. But guys, here's the thing. Just concentrate on God. Give me, just give me one main thing, one major nugget that, that I can take on and it can help throughout the week. Let that be your thought process when you walk in the door. Amen? All right, are y'all there? If you ain't, if you ain't, it's your own fault, okay? And he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for this church. Father, thank you for Mikey walking through those doors today. Father, I just praise you for that. I praise you for... All my brothers and sisters that have been lifting me up this past week, especially in the last 24 hours. And uh, Father, I just uh, I thank you for your presence. Since I've walked in the door this morning, it has been apparent that you're here. You always are. And Father, I thank you for that. I ask that you keep humbling us in, in leadership, humbling us as a church, the more that we do that, the more that you humble us, Father, the, the more that we're going to come to you, you'll exalt this church. Father, today you've, you've prepared something for me to give. This message, it hasn't been the easiest thing to put together. But Father, the one thing I know about you is you'll always get it put together. Sometimes I know that it's probably who you're dealing with. It might be one reason why it's so hard. But Father, today, I have a lot of things on my mind. I need you to just take them away from me. I pray this every week. But Father, in this moment, I need you to take away my doubt, my jealousy, my fear, my anxiety, my pain. Father, all these things that are trying to distract me from you and from giving your message, Father, I ask that you take it away. You replace it with nothing but your love, your peace, your joy. Father, your words. So in this moment, I ask you, Father, to anoint me from the top of my head 
to the bottom of my feet. Replace everything with only you, Father. I'm ready to give your message. I am submissive to you, Father. If there's something else I need to say, you give it to me. I promise you I will be obedient and I'll give it. We praise you, Father, and we ask all these things in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. All right. Last week, we discussed the second half of James chapter 3. There, James taught us uh, the difference between earthly wisdom and godly wisdom. We learned that earthly wisdom opens the door for every kind of evil, but godly wisdom produces peace and righteousness. The, the main point to get from last week's sermon, real quick, I want to touch on this real fast, was gentleness. That was something that James repeated twice in those scriptures that we read. And it's so important because the thing is, is James is talking to the church in this book. That's who he's talking to. Almost every single sermon, that's how, or every single chapter, that's how it starts, is dear brothers and sisters, so forth, right? So that's talking to the church. That gentleness is so important in the leadership of this church. The leadership has to be gentle. The reason I bring that up, I know we had some people that weren't here last week that are in leadership. I ask that you go back and watch it. It's something, again, that we need to make sure that we are striving towards each and every day in leadership at this church. And for those of you that are not in leadership at this church, you should strive to be that way in your life and in your walk and the leader of your home. Amen? This week, we will continue our series on the book of James. Uh, this is in the first half of chapter 4. I'm not going to get all the way through chapter 4 today. There's no way. So we're going to read verses 1 through 10. If you go ahead, most of y'all are there already, but you got your Bible. Go to James chapter 4. We're going to go ahead and start it off. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 1 through 2. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? First of all, right off the bat, again, this is James, and he's talking to the church. He's talking to Christians. Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? Here in the first verse, James is telling us, what caused conflict and issues and wars in the church. He starts with a question and then answers with a question, which always drives me insane. You know what I'm saying? Like, who, y'all know what I'm talking about? You, know, you got people and you're like, you know, like, man, where'd I leave my cell phone? And they're like, well, where'd you leave it last? Like, that's not, that's not helping me at all. <laughs> like, but that's what James does. And I don't know about y'all, but God does that to me too. Like, I'll ask God a question. That's how he answers me is with a question. And it's just, you know, anyway, that's, you know the answer. That's the thing. That's why he's doing it to you. But again, James starts this and answers with a question. Um, he's basically saying right here in verses 1 and 2 that lustful desires from our hearts, that's what causes the conflict in the church. You know, I heard somebody say one time, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. Yeah, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And the problem with the heart is we can be very prideful a lot of times. Notice the word jealous. Uh, we discussed jealousy last week. Uh, let's see, we're going to go ahead. I take that back. Let's go ahead and continue to read on. I'm sorry. Okay, so let's start completely over. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil, evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. 
So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. That word jealousy, again, last week we really talked about this. Jealousy has destroyed so many churches. Um, we can't allow that in Christian Warriors Church. We cannot allow jealousy to step in. Like I said last week, if you're jealous, you're not satisfied with what God's given you. You know, I tell you, when I heard that a couple years ago, it's always stuck in my mind. Because you wouldn't go to God and be like, I'm not happy with what you've given me. I mean, come on now. You're walking, you're breathing. Right, Mikey? Amen. But so many times we get caught up in the earthly desires of what we want. That's nothing but jealousy. One other thing to think about is if you're jealous, I want you to think about this, okay, because Jesus was a walking, talking church, right? His leaders were the 12 disciples. Jealousy broke out in those 12 disciples. His name was Judas. So you need to remember that in the church, when you start to allow jealousy to creep in, you're that church's Judas. You need to check yourself, myself included. When I was a kid, uh, I was about four or five years old, I was in preschool, and uh, I remember one day, I can't believe I can remember that far back, by the way, but I do. I remember when I was like four or five years old. And I, I love G.I. Joes, man. Who in here likes some G.I. Joes back in the day? Raise a hand. That's what I'm talking about. I like y'all. That's what I'm talking about. So I was playing with G.I. Joes, and uh, man, there was one in there. It was uh, Sergeant Savage. Y'all remember Sergeant Savage? That's, a, you know, that's that manly man, right? Yeah. That's like Christian warrior among warriors. That was Joshua of the G.I. Joes, right? So I see it, and I'm playing all these G.I. Joes, but I see it kind of sitting over here, and it's by itself, and I pick it up, and I start playing with it, and I realize it wasn't the preschool's G.I. Joe. It was this kid's over here. I really wanted this G.I. Joe. I took it. When I got home, I don't know how. To this day, I don't know how, but my mom and dad knew. And they came down on me pretty hard. Said, you stole G.I. Joe today. You need to take that back to this kid. I said, okay. So I went back the next day, and I took a G.I. Joe back to this kid. <laughs> it was not Colonel Savage, or Sergeant Savage, excuse me. And, and the thing is, I told him, I was like, if you go tell anybody, I'll beat you up, you know. But see, that's the problem. It, that, that's the issue, guys. That is something that actually goes on in the church and stuff like that. You get jealous for something that somebody else has. It may be a gift that somebody else has. Maybe a way they serve. Maybe a title. I hate titles, by the way. Absolutely hate that. For the longest time, I, I didn't like anybody calling me pastor. To me, that was like a title. I don't believe titles in the church. There is no entitlement in the church. Amen? But that is a real problem that does happen in the church. Here at the end of verse 2 where it says, uh, you don't have to, you don't have to, or excuse me, you don't, let's see, where is that? You, uh, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask 
God for it. James is talking to these Christians, these so-called Christians, and he's telling them you don't have what you want because you ain't praying. You ain't praying for it. I mean, simply put, right? Like if you read that one sentence, that's, that's what he's trying to get across to here. So many churches, again, make a lot of decisions on things that they think they want before they ever even pray about it. That's, that's one thing that I try to really stress to our leadership. Do not make a decision until you pray about it. Let's go to verse 3 and 4, Nick. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Stop right there. James is telling us here, when you ask in prayer but you don't receive it, most of the time it's because you're asking out of pride. You're praying for your pleasures and what you want instead of asking God what he wants. When we pray, we should always be praying to line our will up with God, not the other way around. So one reason God doesn't answer our prayers is because we ask out of lust. Is that right? Who in here knows <laughs> that God has a sense of humor? One time, one time, man, I asked God for something out of lust, and, and I wanted a Lexus, okay? I was in the door. You say it's stupid? That ain't stupid. Don't hate on me like that. When I was young, I was in the jewelry industry. This is a long time ago. And uh, I had a boss. His name was Sam Joseph. He was a Jewish man. He was mean, too. Man, that's a bad man. Bad man. But Sam, I hope he's not watching right now. <laughs> Sam had a, I'll never forget, it was a maroon Lexus. Okay, now this was in 2002, 2003, and it was brand new. Okay, fully loaded Lexus, okay? Well, I'm in the jewelry industry. He was big time in the jewelry industry, okay? And I remember I went on a trip with him to Wichita Falls. That's my brother-in-law's old hometown. Yeah, whoop, whoop. But uh, so, and that, that town's terrible, by the way. Like, <laughs> but we went to Wichita. Well, there's a casino up north there. Y'all you, didn't ever go there, though, right? Like, y'all don't do that kind of stuff in your family? Go to the casino? No. No, good, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> so, so we... Uh, we went to Wichita Falls, but I fell in love with this Lexus, right? Like, this thing was sweet, you know, leather, you know, had, had, had heated seats. Man, I didn't have that. My old 99 Ford pickup didn't have that, right? So you got these heated seats and, and, and a disc changer. <laughs> Y'all remember them disc changers? They're in the back. You put, like, 20 CDs in there or something, right? So I fell in love with this Lexus. So anyway... Before we started the church about three years ago, I knew that we were going to open a third location. God had moved me to do that. And we were looking at the location. And this is before he called me pastor, by the way. Okay? This, this, I, don't, I hadn't asked for anything selfish since then. This was before that. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm telling him one day, I'm praying. I'm like, all right, God, listen, you know, you, you want me to open these stores, but, but I need a vehicle that gets really good gas mileage. <laughs> and I've always wanted a Lexus. And you told me the desires of our heart. We should ask for that. So I said, I want a black Lexus with some chrome stripes on it, man, looking sweet, you know, tinted windows. Guess what? I bought one. I did. Got a heck of a deal on it. I thought, man, God has blessed me with the desire of my heart. I had that car one week and started smoking. 
It's burning oil. Now, what's funny is, is I know, here's the thing. Y'all going to think I'm lying about this, but God told me I would get a Lexus. He told me that. He said, you'll get a Lexus. But it wasn't that one. I took it back, got my money back. My poor grandmother passed away two years ago. She had a 2001 pearl white grandma looking Lexus. <laughs> I bought it for $500. <laughs> That's what I got right now. So again, God gave me what I wanted, but he definitely taught me a lesson in the process, right? Guys, don't ever do that. Don't ask for selfish things when you pray. Make sure that it's always his will. Always start by asking him what he wants, not what you want. That's the worst thing we can do. You're going to have a car burning oil if you do that, right? I can't believe you just said amen on that. Man, I was really upset about that for a long time. Okay, let's pick back up. We were at, okay, you adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. If you remember at the beginning of chapter 1 in verse, excuse me, in, in verse 1, James asked a question. What is causing conflict among the church? Through verse 4 so far, he has, uh, he's answered those questions. He points out three things that destroy a church. Lust, jealousy, and then here in verse 4, worldliness. In fact, he feels so strongly about this, guys, if you notice, he repeated himself. We are not to conform of the ways of the world. He repeated himself. James was a very smart man. He didn't repeat himself because he's like me and has terrible ADD. He repeated himself because it's that important. Notice the word adulterers. These are people, obviously in our world, and we all know what, ador what adulterers are. You know, it's somebody that cheats on a wife, cheats on a husband, um, and a lot of times when people read this, he's like, man, who is he talking to right here? Like, I don't understand this. He's actually calling all of us adulterers. When you choose worldly things over God, you just committed spiritual adultery. So he's talking to us when he says this. That's a strong word. That's a stout word. I don't like to be called that. Again, James is a smart man. He knows how to catch your attention. And he's trying again to force how important this is that we realize not to conform of the ways of the world. That's, that's outside this church. That's people out here. Our job is not to conform to it, but it is our job to go out and change it. Understood? Okay. Let's go to verses 5 and 6. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Okay. At the end of verse 6, uh, James quotes Proverbs 334. 
uh, when he says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So the question is, how do we tap into the great grace of God? James gives us five steps we have to take to reach the grace in these next four verses that we're about to read. So we're going to read 7 through 10. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Verse 9, let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you in honor. Okay, so through these four verses, there's five steps. Five steps that James is trying to point out to us that will bring us into the great grace of God. Number one is submitting yourself to God. You allow submission from God. Okay, that's protection. In other words, you allow yourself to be under the umbrella of his submission. That's step one. You have to do that. Number two, you have to resist the devil. We have to fight his temptations. We cannot take the bait he puts in front of us. And I think we can all agree that slick dude knows how to bait us, right? Like he knows the kind of bait to put in front of you. A few years ago, we were in Destin uh, with, with, the, with the whole family. I mean, the whole family. I ain't talking about just me, Amanda, and the kids. I'm talking about Hannah and her kids, Holly and her kids, like the whole family, okay? And, and, and one night, I, I, didn't, I didn't have enough. <laughs> it was really loud, okay? So I decided I was going to go for a drive. I was going to get, you know, Rainbow Unicorn. That's what I was thinking. So I take off down the road, and I get maybe a mile down the road. And these <coughs> Satan starts throwing out these baits. And I pass by a sign, a neon sign, and it said, Hot Now. Now, I'm driving by, and immediately things start to go through my head. And I turn into that place. I got out of my car. I walked in, and I bought a dozen donuts at the donut hole. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but that's, that's my temptation. <laughs> really good carbs. That's my temptation. Where'd y'all think I was going? What's the matter with y'all? Y'all not seen my wife? I'm gonna hush, she's gonna get mad. But like honestly, like to me, donut donuts are like the closest thing to manna falling from heaven. Like I feel like I feel like that's what they were eating. I really do. Like I really do. But but all kidding aside, guys, listen, it is those baits, right? It's those things that jump out in front of you. It's the things that he dangles in front of you that make you go down that wrong path. My question to you, honestly, and please don't answer it, but keep it locked in your mind right now because we're going to come back to it. What's your neon sign? Like, what is that that grabs your attention? What is that temptation that's hard to fight. Just hold it there. 
Step three, draw near to God. God loves this. I mean, guys, that's, he just wants to be close to you. That's all he wants. So step three ought to be pretty easy, right? Just draw close to him. Pray with him. Talk to him. Visit with him. No matter what you've done, that's the other thing. It doesn't matter what you've done. You can always go to him. You can always draw close to him. I mean, all kidding aside, if that was a different neon sign that I pulled into, I could still go to him. Isn't it awesome that we have such a graceful and merciful God? Isn't it great that we don't live by the old law where there's no telling what they would have done to them guys back then if they'd have turned into that? <laughs> That's that. Okay, step four. Let's go to step four. No, I want to, no. I got, I got to press on to this, no matter what you've done, right? Okay, so everybody in here probably knows the story of the prodigal son that Jesus told. You know, here's, here's this uh, two brothers that have a very wealthy father, you know, and, and one of the brothers wants his inheritance. He wants it now, and he's going to go blow it. He really did go the neon signs, okay? He really did. And, and, and he went to Vegas, and he, he squandered all the money away. And then when he ran out of money, then he had to go work at, at, at a pig farm, right? And he's literally in there with the pigs, you know? And you know what's sad? I got to point this out. When it's funny how when you got money and you got things, you got a lot of friends, right? But when you're in that pig pen, there ain't no friends. I mean, think about if you if you if you put a pool in at your house, people just show up. Like, you just be sitting there and you'll hear this, you know, you'll go open the door and there's somebody in their trunks. Like, what's up, bro? You know, I mean, and, and just go jump in the pool. And I'm going to tell you, I don't have a pool at my house, by the way. Y'all be coming over to my house. I got a water hose. You come over, I'll hose you down. Get you off my lawn. But, but all, I mean, seriously, think about that, though, right? I mean, am I right? Like, when you are at your low, Who's really there with you? It's not going to be those worldly friends. The problem with this prodigal son is he didn't have any godly friends. He left them all. He traded them in for money. So this prodigal son decides while he's at the pigsty that he's going to go back, right? He wants to go back. He thinks, man, I can just be a servant for my father. Maybe he'll hire me for that. I love this part of the story. He's going back to his father's home. He's a long ways away. And his father sees him in the distance. And he's just, the son's just walking. And that father knows it's him. Now, I want y'all to think about something. When that young man left and when he came back, I promise you, he looked different. You know what I'm saying? Like when he left, he was clean cut driving that black Lexus. And then when he came back, he didn't have a car to drive. He looked terrible. But his dad knew it was him. Guys, when you do something wrong and you're, you think you're so dirty... And you think you're so nasty. If you'll just walk towards him, he'll come running to you. That's all you got to do. 
and he'll recognize you. Doesn't matter how bad you're beat up. It's so important that you get step three right here. You have to draw close to God to get that grace from him. Step four, <laughs> be miserable. What? <laughs> no, really, be miserable. Feel convicted of your sin. Man, I'm not ready for that. Why is that up there? Go back. What are you doing? Go back. Listen, man, I'm going to tell you what, Nick. Is it because I talked about Wakeville? I mean, uh, uh, Wichita Falls? You mad at me? I'm sorry, man. Go back to verses, uh, what was it? Uh, 10, please. Thank you, sir. Okay, so let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Be miserable. Be miserable. What is he talking about right here? Like, it, it, I ain't gonna lie, it took me a minute to figure this out. Like, I started reading it, and I'm like, why in the world does he want us to be miserable? He doesn't want us to be miserable. He wants us to feel convicted of the mistakes that we've made. That's what we have to do. You, you can't, you're not gonna get the great grace of God if you're prideful. This is humility. This is conviction. You know you did wrong. And you're coming to him with that. That's how you get in the good graces of God. And then step five, humble yourself. What you notice in verse 10, it says, humble yourself, not wait on God to humble you. Christian warriors, we have an option when it comes to being humbled. You can either trip, stumble, and fall or you can fall on your knees I need you to understand that no matter how you stumble and fall no matter how you fall it's gonna happen how it happens is up to you guys don't be the one that trips and stumbles don't be the one that falls to your knees Again, humble yourself before God. He'll exalt you. Such an important verse. So important. I, I literally pray every day, and I know a lot of y'all know this because I've talked about it, but I know we've got some new people in here. I literally start my day on my knees asking him to humble me every day. And I'm going to be honest with you, he humbles me every day. But I'm learning in the process. Would you rather God humble you or the world humble you? Because when the world humbles you, it's going to be embarrassing it's going to be ugly. But when God humbles you, he's going to humble you in private moments when it's just you and him or amongst other believers that are humble too. Nick, will you put that next slide up? Thank you, brother. All right, so the five steps to reach God's great grace. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, draw near to God, be miserable, feel convicted, and humble yourself before God. Y'all get pictures of that, write it down, whatever. We're going to leave it up there for just a minute. In these 10 verses, James literally sums up a sermon I preached about a year ago, which was when you have something in front of you and you have to make a decision, there's only two ways to go. It's only a two-way street. It's either pride or it's humility. James basically broke all this down right here in those 10 verses. It took me hours to put that sermon together. James wrote it down real quick. Okay, James is a very smart man. But 
That's the honest truth. When you walk up to a situation, you have, two, you have a decision. And it's either prideful, you're going to go that direction, or you're going to go the humility route. And I promise you that if you go towards humility, everything is always going to go the right way because God says, humble yourself before him and he'll exalt you. Pride, beginning of all destruction. I want to go back and discuss the most important verse in this lesson today. In fact, in my opinion, it's one of the most important verses in the Bible, and that's James 4, 7. You could pull that up for me, Nick. Thank you, sir. This verse has gotten me through a lot of times in my life. Humble yourself before God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. I've said this quite a few times. If he's not fleeing, you're not resisting. That's why I think it's one of the most powerful verses in this book because it's pretty simple. It pretty much explains it. If you're constantly getting beat up and brought down, you're probably not fleeing from him. You're not resisting him. You're not. Because the thing that I know about Satan is he's a quitter. And when you resist him, he'll quit. Now, he's going to come back, but he'll quit. He's not patient. See, patience is a, is a gift of the Spirit, right? Satan ain't got that. He's going to lose patience with you. So, Micah, how do I resist Satan? How do I defeat Satan? I've come up with three steps myself that have helped me through my walk to defeat and to resist Satan just along the years. And, and step one is acknowledge that Satan is real. Do you know that there are some churches... that don't believe in Satan? Do you know there are some churches that don't think he's alive and well? Guys, don't be naive. Satan is by far alive and well, and he's after everything you have. Y'all need to remember he comes to kill, steal, and destroy, right? I mean, like, that's what he's coming to do. He wants to steal everything that you have, everything good in your life. He's after every victory in your, every victory in your life. He's after your job. He's after your church. He's after your home. He's after your children. And he's sure as heck after your marriage. That's what he's coming after. We have to be aware of that. Have to be. Step two, you have to know that you can't defeat Satan by yourself. We're not strong enough to defeat the, the, the wiles of the devil. There's just no way. We can't do that. We have to have the Holy Spirit with us. We have to have that. If you think that you can go and fight him on your own, I'm going to be honest with you, it's not going to work. Step three, speak truth to him. Jesus shows us how to do this in Luke chapter 4. Grab your Bibles. Go to Luke chapter 4. We're going to read uh, verses 1 through 13. Most of y'all know this. This is when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. I'm going to give you a few moments to get there. Y'all give me some amens when you get there. You ain't there that fast. Y'all lied. 
Siri can't get there that fast. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan River, being urged by the Spirit out into the barren wilderness of Judea, when Satan tempted him for 40 days. I, I got to point something out here. A lot of y'all know this, because a lot of y'all are very seasoned Christians. But, you know, right before this, Jesus got baptized. You know, I love how, how his father was like, you know, this is my son who I'm proud of. You know, he, he got baptized, and then he said, go to the wilderness, boy. I'm like, dang. Like, he didn't give Jesus one day to rejoice about getting baptized. Like, you know, that's a big deal. It's kind of like birthday weeks, right? Like, you would think he'd have got a baptism week or something. But God was like, no, boy, I, I need you to go. Anyway, so let's pick back back. We'll pick back up. Let's go to verse, uh, verse 3. Satan said, if you're God's son, tell the stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus replied, it is written in the scriptures. Other things in life are much more important than bread. Then Satan took him up and revealed to him the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil told him, I will give you all of this, all of these kingdoms, and all of their glory, for they are mine to give anyone I wish, if you will only get down on your knees and worship me. Jesus replied, it is written, we must worship God and God alone. Then Satan took him to Jerusalem, to a high roof of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the Scripture says that God will send his angels to guard you and to keep you from crashing to the pavement below. Jesus replied, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to a foolish test. Then the devil had ended all of his temptations. I want you to catch this. This is so important. Satan left Jesus for a while and went away. For a while. For a while. That's the Son of God. Satan came back after him. Y'all don't think he'll attack you over and over again? There's so many times that people come to me that say, Mike, I prayed for this, I prayed for this. And, and it worked. And then the next thing I know, it, it got taken away. I don't understand. I claimed it. I spoke over it. Guys, he's going to come back. Don't think that you, you got him and it's done. He's going to come back. You have to be on guard each and every day. And you have to be prepared. Pull up those three steps for me, Nick. Acknowledge this is the three steps to resist Satan. Acknowledge he is a real enemy. Know you cannot defeat him alone. And then speak truth to him. Okay, speak truth to him. That's the Bible. That's what God did. That's what Jesus did. It is written, right? He spoke scripture to him. I'm fixing to close this up. I want you guys to do me a favor. I asked you this question earlier. What's your neon sign? I do want you to think, what is that temptation that is the hardest thing for you to flee from? What's that best bait that Satan throws out there at you that you just can't resist? 
mine is financial stress. I don't mind saying that. That's my biggest weakness. The temptation of me falling into stress financially. I think a lot of business owners are that way. Actually, I think the world's that way. I mean, it's all about money, right? The less that I think about money, the more peace I have. We all have that temptation, right? Again, mine's financial stress. That's the one thing that just really gets me. He can get me every time with that. But I've learned how to beat him. I just do what Jesus did. Speak truth. Talk to him. Each one of you guys, whatever y'all's weakness is, whatever that temptation is that is just so hard to get past, you need to find a verse in the Bible that speaks to that temptation. And you need to memorize it. Okay, mine is anxiety when it comes to finances and stuff like that. So, like Philippians 4, 6, be anxious about nothing but pray about everything. That's one that I throw at him all the time. I'll tell him, I say, no, Satan, listen, you, you can't do that to me because God told me in his word that I can pray about it. And I'll just start praying. But when you speak the truth to Satan, see, Satan's a liar. He can't handle the truth. You speak truth to him. Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. It's another one that I always have in the back of my head. Satan comes at me and I'm like, uh-uh. God told me I'm strong and courageous. You ain't got nothing on me. Matthew 17.20, okay? We just, the, the mustard seed, everybody knows that. Z talked about it two weeks ago. You have the faith the size of a mustard seed. You can speak to the mountain and tell it to move. Satan's that mountain. You tell him. God told me that if I had faith the size of a mustard seed, and guess what, Satan? My faith's bigger than that, so I need you to move. Get out of here. That needs to be our thought process, guys. Speak truth to him constantly. And here's the thing. So I got to thinking about it, and I talked to Mikey about this earlier. He thought it was cool. So if y'all don't think this is cool, then it's Mikey's fault, okay? I'll blame it on him. That's right. So if you can't memorize verses, if you're like me, because I really do, I struggle. Like I can speak a verse, but a lot of times I struggle with where it came from, yeah, what book it was in, what chapter, what verse, and so forth. I need y'all to understand, you don't have to know all that. Don't let anybody ever tell you that. Just know the word. Know the word. Okay? I mean, listen, we ain't all, you know, some of us from Cass County, it's hard to remember stuff like that. That's right. Thank you. Yeah, you know, that brings up a great point. You, I need y'all to remember that when you're reading the Bible, because this one was perfect for this. When we finished James chapter 3, it rolled over into James chapter 4, and it's, it's like the exact same thing. There were no chapters. That's not what he did. You know, we put those chapters together. James just wrote it all out in a letter. Okay, so y'all remember that when you're studying always follow up when you finish a chapter don't just stop start reading a little bit more and if it's smooth and it flows with that other chapter go ahead and read it 
Okay? If you need to take a break, make sure it does it in smooth. Y'all, y'all follow me there? Okay, good. I'm trying to teach you. Okay, good. But so this, this is cool. So like, all right, pull a James 4-7 uh, 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 back up for me, please, sir. So humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he flee from you. Okay, this is something we can remember, right? This one's pretty easy to remember, and I can even teach you guys how to remember what book, what verse, what chapter it came from. Okay, follow me here. James, first of all, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, my opinion, this is the best book in the, in the New Testament. It's my favorite, right? So you can just remember, oh, that's Micah's favorite book. It's James, okay? So that's how you remember it. So James 4, 7, 4. You and the big three. Holy Spirit, Jesus, God, four. Y'all feel this? So how do you defeat Satan? You four. What's seven in the Bible? It's done. You and the big three, it's done. You'll be able to resist the devil when it's you and the big three. That's how you remember that verse. So from here forward, speak that to him. Just say, no, Satan, no, I'm resisting you. And it's a promise. God promises me that if I resist you, that you will flee from me. Verse 10, James 4:10. Humble yourself before God and he'll exalt you. That's a promise, guys. These are promises. Our Father don't lie. Use those verses to stomp out Satan. Just like Jesus did. I want y'all to grab a notepad that's in front of you there in the seats. Grab a pen and a notepad. I'm going to close with this. What I want y'all to do on that notepad, I want you to open your Bible to James 4, 7. If you don't have your Bible... Shame on you. Write this down, take it home, put it in your Bible. If you ain't got a Bible, you tell me. I'll get you a Bible, okay? Not this glow-in-the-dark Bible thing that y'all use. You know what I'm saying? Like a real one, you know, a book. I want you to write down on that sheet of paper your neon sign. What is that temptation that you just struggle to fight? It's so hard. It's so hard. You know, like I told y'all, mine's donuts, right? I want you to take whatever you wrote down and I want you to use it as a bookmark on James 4, 7. So every single time that you're struggling with that temptation, you've got it bookmarked, open it up, and there's that verse and resist it. While you got your pen and papers out, y'all going to write something else down. Go ahead, Nick. There are two things all Christians should strive to see, the devil's back and God's face. Flee from him, find God. Amen?